Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in our modern world. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. This week's program, part two of two, modern day faith activist with Reverend George Wolf and guest Mark Massey. Today, we are pleased to have with us again in our studio, Mark Massey, who is the author of the book entitled Inspired to Serve, Today's Faith Activists. Uh, this book is published by Indiana University Press. Mark teaches at uh, Ball State University in the journalism department. He's been a freelance journalist for years. And this is uh, his most recent achievement and quite a, an impressive one, I have to admit. Mark, welcome back to Converging Streams. Thank you very much, George. Uh, you talked at the last show about the three uh, types of faith, risk of faith. The um, maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. I found that um, very, very um, uh, imp important to the whole interfaith concept that we're trying to promote on this uh, program. I should point out that when we hear words like religion and faith, what comes to mind might be uh, something that we were raised with, or it might be something that the media uh, helps to promote. When I wrote the book, I was responding in part to the focus on faith-based initiatives, which had begun actually under the Clinton administration and then uh, gained a great deal of uh, credibility and, and visibility under the Bush administration. But I wanted to look beyond some of the labels, such as faith-based. And so when I wrote the book, I looked at what does faith mean? And what I found was, when I wrote about these, these activists, they were people of faith. Many came from strong religious backgrounds. But their perception of faith wasn't just limited to one perspective. And when I broke down what I, what I use as the components of faith as represented by these individuals, I came up with the term the leap of faith, the risk of faith, and the gift of faith. So these are your, your terms. You? They're my terms based on the life stories in, in the book and how I drew from these experiences and what I concluded as far as what they represent or what they signify. The risk of faith, is, as I uh, perceive it, based on these people's life stories, is quite simply, quite simply the price that you pay or are willing to pay for your convictions or for your activism. It might be the reputation that you have within your community. It doesn't mean it has to be negatively affected, but you have to realize that if you take a stand, you may be confronted with criticism, skepticism, perhaps a loss of uh, uh, some aspect of your, your reputation in some people's eyes. That would probably be at the lowest end. You might also risk your job. You might take a stand on a particular cause or get involved in a particular cause, and that could lead to loss of employment. The ultimate would be your loss of life, and there have been activists uh, in fact, Latin American activists who have come to the School of the Americas Watch Vigil who have been murdered in just recent months. So your loss of life would be the ultimate price that you would pay uh, as far as your risk of faith. The other two components, the, the leap of faith and the gift of faith, 
represent, I think, the, if you want to put it, the more positive aspects of what these activists, I think, represent in their life stories. The leap of faith is how you can start very small on a particular issue. In Roy Bourgeois' case, he began his protest with a dozen colleagues and friends. Today, more than 16,000 people show up annually at the event. But there are many other stories in the book about people who began small, who started, for example, Mary Nelson in Chicago, on the west side of Chicago in Garfield Park. Her organization, which is called Bethel New Life, began with the remodeling and restoration of one four-unit apartment building that they actually, she and her brother, who was a Lutheran minister, actually pooled their own funds and put their credit on the line to get the money to renovate this home, this apartment building. That was about 40 years ago. Today, more than 1,000 units have been renovated by Bethel New Life. So the leap of faith is often starting small and just believing that what can happen will be positive. The gift of faith, I think, as I interpret it, is how you can spread the message, is how one, one person's journey can affect many other people's journeys and how you can inspire other people with your actions. Yes, the, uh, uh, the leap of faith, starting small, small and have it become uh, very large with a great deal of momentum sort of reminds me of that uh, passage in the uh, Christian Gospels about the kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed that grows into then to be a huge... Uh, huge bush. <laughs> that, that, that would work very well if you looked at all of the stories in Inspired to Serve. I think you would see that, that uh, passage uh, really bears fruit. Rabbi Steve Foster is someone you've uh, featured in your book, and he is from Denver, Colorado. Is that correct? Well, he's originally from Milwaukee. Uh, he actually tells it he grew up as, a, as an average American boy in Milwaukee during the happy days eras of the era of the 1950s. He went to the University of Wisconsin And it was while as a student at the University of Wisconsin that he traveled to Selma, Alabama, and actually marched as part of the contingent of the Selma to Montgomery March, the famous march headed by Martin Luther King. It was in that march when he said he was struck by what he calls a God moment. And this moment provoked him and inspired him to take a pledge to be involved in social causes throughout his life. He later became a rabbi, and in the 1970s, he relocated to Denver, Colorado, and he's the head of the uh, Temple Emanuel congregation uh, in Denver. And he has been very outspoken uh, on a number of uh, civil rights and human rights causes through the years. So his focus has been mostly on equal rights and civil rights for Afro-Americans, or has it been for minorities in general? It has been for minorities in general, including gay rights. Uh, And as he puts it, he doesn't really make a distinction between uh, human rights, whether it be for uh, any any type of a minority group, whether it be an ethnic minority group or a a gender-based minority group. Now, you also feature in your book Dr. Bashir Ahmed. Is that correct? That's correct. And and he is a... uh, uh, a follower of the Islamic tradition from Texas. That's correct. Uh, Dr. Bashir Ahmed uh, came to this country in the 1960s. He's a distinguished psychiatrist, and he came to this country to work at a time when, in psychiatry and in mental health, uh, patients were being deinstitutionalized, and the goal was 
to bring uh, those people who could be assimilated back into society into the mainstream communities. And Dr. Ahmed began his work working in the mental health field. He later relocated to the Arlington, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, what they call the Metroplex in North Texas. And shortly after arriving there uh, in the 1980s, he became aware of the large Muslim immigrant population that was coming in because of crises around the world, crises in Bosnia, uh, in Somalia, and also in Iraq. And he noticed that for this population, which today is estimated at more than 100,000 people, they did not, for the most part, have access to community services, to medical services, and were often intimidated by the uh, mainstream uh, culture, mainstream health networks, let's say. And so he established a Muslim community center uh, in the uh, North Dallas area, and he has also been very outspoken in terms of working on interfaith approaches to social problems. I think what your uh, book also demonstrates is that the range of activities that a person can be involved in with respect to activism is, is really much broader. Most people think of activism as you know, anti-war or uh, basic civil rights, but that's correct, um, and that's another objective of the book was to broaden people's viewpoints as far as what do we mean by social activism, and quite simply, it can be whatever is necessary to do in a community to better people's lives, and so it can range from anti-poverty work, housing, job development, uh, working with uh, the mentally ill, working with migrant workers, working with immigrant groups, as well as the more large-scale or the more media-covered types of activism, such as anti-war, anti-militarism. Um, and this book really uh, tries to show the range of, of activist causes that, that are out there and that people are working on across America. Now, speaking of migrant workers, talk a little bit about uh, Sister Ann Kendrick. Well, Sister Ann Kendrick, I think, represents, uh, she's a good example of when we talk about this um, leap of faith or starting small, and also I think she's a good example of how we may not realize in our lives that we're beginning a journey in a particular uh, direction or on a particular cause. She was a uh, nun working in the Northeast. She's originally from Syracuse, New York, and she had been a school teacher. And she envisioned herself remaining in education, perhaps uh, working at the college level someday, teaching. There was an appeal uh, by one of the uh, members of the archdiocese in the Orlando, Florida area in the very early 1970s, appealing uh, for uh, nuns and other uh, members of the clergy to come to Florida to help out on this growing problem of migrant workers in terms of uh, housing, schooling for children, health care, a range of issues. She planned on going down for no more than a year. And she ended up staying, and this is in, uh, she is based in Apopka, Florida. And she, and there's uh, really a core group of three other sisters who have been down there now for more than 30 years, They've been highly praised. They've received many awards, uh, covered uh, quite frequently in the media. 
but she is somebody who went down there planning only to stay for a year and then returning north, but she became so um, affected by the dire poverty that she saw, by the conditions affecting the people, and she quite simply couldn't leave, and her life was changed in the process. Anne Kendrick uh, knew and worked with uh, Cesar Chavez uh, back you know, several decades ago. Um, I would characterize her efforts and the efforts of, of, of her organization, um, the Farm Worker, Office of Farm Worker Ministry in Apopka, Florida, as really trying to improve people's lives. I think uh, boycotts and so forth may come into play uh, periodically uh, to raise awareness for issues or to try to affect change, but the day-in, day-out efforts that she has been involved in uh, have been to improve people's quality of life, to provide them with the basics of food, shelter, uh, health care, decent living conditions, and this is what she and her, and her fellow sisters have worked so uh, tirelessly at for many years. Well, this is a uh, fascinating uh, book, which has been written by Mark Massey, and I want to recommend it to everybody, anybody who is interested in interfaith work, in the uh, broad range of involvement, and uh, it's called Inspired to Serve by Mark Massey, Today's Faith Activist, published by Indiana University Press. The website is iupress.indiana.edu. Thank you, Mark, for being with us. Thanks so much, George. And I should say it's, it was really an honor to write about uh, these people. I think they're, they're an impressive group of individuals. This is George Wolf for Converging Streams. Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, interfaith fellowship in our modern world. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolf, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening, and have a pleasant week.